This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. We're here for anyone who is interested in crypto at all. Maybe you've already dipped your toe in the water, or maybe you don't know anything about it, and this is the very beginning. But we recommend heading back to the early episodes to get your footing. However, if you think you're ready to dive in headfirst, then let's do it. Coming up in this week's episode, we talk about the newly launched Aptos blockchain. We have a look at what Sam Bankman-Fried thinks about how crypto should be regulated. We also have a look at the NFT space and what's happening with royalties. So let's get into it. My name's Tracy, and this week it's Blake and I again holding the fort as Craig is in his second week of holidays. Will he ever come back? We don't know. No, he will. He'll be back with us next week. But welcome, Blake. How has your week been? Fantastic, Tracy. Lots of excitement in the market. So uh, yeah, plenty to chat about today. But before you said um, Sam Bankman-Fried, I think it's Sam Bankman-Fried. Bankman-Fried. It is Bankman-Fried. I actually said that you last said that week last as well. week. And I've- <laughs> I was listening back on the episode and I keep saying it, but it's Bankman-Fried, which is the whole point of changing his name. But Sam Bankman-Fried, that is his name. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But you, we mentioned having a good week and it's been a good week because the crypto price has done well, hasn't it? Yeah, it has done well, which is a surprise and obviously a welcome surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but not so much of a surprise because we did kind of call it. I'm going to take a little bit of credit, not really, but we spoke last week um, about something which was the Bitcoin Historical Volatility Index or the BOL. Uh, BVOL. And we just mentioned that we were expecting some kind of volatility, whether that was up or down. And we've certainly seen it because Ethereum has been pumping. It reached um, 1,500 for the first time in five weeks. And since recording last week, it's actually 23% up. So Hmm. yeah, it's done well. I think what's really important to point out here is that, you know, we, we referenced the Bitcoin volatility index. However, you know, the rest of the market um, mm-hmm. often increases in value in percentage terms more than Bitcoin because their market caps are smaller. So, you know, often when we're looking at this sector, we might use indicators on Bitcoin to figure out, you know, what's happening in the rest of the market just because it is so dominant. So just probably a distinction worth drawing there, Trace. Yeah, it is. And if we look at Bitcoin from recording, it's been, it's nine, nearly 10% up as well. So, I mean, and that hasn't happened uh, in the last, I think it's, I'll have to, ju- let's double check that actually. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. 
in the last nine weeks. So <laughs> a long time since we've seen that kind of movement for Bitcoin. But look, let's get into our first story, Blake. A new blockchain dropped this week. So you might have heard of Aptos. And I'll give you a bit of a crash course. They raised $400 million from VCs like FTX Ventures, Binance Labs, Coinbase, um, Jump Crypto, A16Z, Multicoin Capital, just to name a few. So a lot of people jumped in on this one and they have a $2 billion uh, valuation, which is huge. It was created by uh, the guys who were part of the Facebook team that worked on um, Diem. Is that Di- what you I think it, it was Diem, um, yeah. Is it, is it, it's D-I-E-M, Diem, which was, but that was the failed crypto stablecoin project that Facebook were pushing. So they have a bit of, um, they have a bit of premium here and the people were calling it the next Solana killer and everyone was really excited and jazzed about this. Um, but the launch didn't go as planned. In fact, it was, it was pretty shit. Blake, do you want to tell us what happened? Yeah. So firstly, the network performance crashed just after it launched. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was marketed, uh, it was said to be able to process 100,000 transactions a second or a T- mm. TPS. However, I think they were doing four transactions per Bum-bum. second. You know, I think we could pass messenger pigeons faster than that, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't do so well. Uh, Secondly, um, a majority of the tokens were owned by the team. Now, this is a big red Mm. flag whenever you're looking at, you know, potentially you're participating or purchasing a token to figure out who owns a majority of the tokens because, you know, obviously if it's the team, then, um, you know, it's not a community-driven project. You know, it's very centralised and um, and it can be controlled from, you know, potentially just a few large token holders. Mm. And finally, there was no community-run validators in the network or nodes in the network, you know, and really the strength of Bitcoin and things like Ethereum is that they have – you know, tens of thousands of nodes running globally um, to make it very hard to, you know, attack and, um, you know, for it to be secure. Decentralization really contributes to that security of those networks. Now, the Aptos team handpicked the validators and apparently, mm. apparently you had to sign an agreement um, that was based out of a Cayman Islands entity in order to be a validator. And I have no doubt that these validators were getting paid pretty good sums of money for processing transactions on this platform. And, you know, it really kind of reminds me of EOS or, you know, Didem yeah. where yeah. You know, it's highly centralised. So like you said, some red flags there. So many red flags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it didn't go as well. And I think the Aptos team were, were kind of putting their heads in the sand a bit as all these things poked up and a bit of chatter was going around. And then they even muted their Discord channel. You know, Aptos users were all asking questions and they were demanding answers and what was going on with this launch, but instead of answering them, they decided to put their users on mute, which was, you know, that's really dodgy as far as, um, you know, some PR goes. But after all that, as you can imagine, the token price plummeted within the first hour of being listed the Aptos token tanked 30% and dropped as low as 46% on the day. So, you know, um, don't think Solana is in any danger just yet. Craig will be happy. Mm. Moving on. He's back in the news again this week. Sam Bankman-Fried, 
just published his thoughts on the future of regulation in a paper that has been very widely debated this week. Let's talk about what's going on with Sam Bankman-Fried. In just the past five years, Sam Bankman went from buying his first Bitcoin to becoming a multi-billionaire. The FTX founder is now worth an estimated $11 billion. This exchange is now worth $32 billion, and it brought in about a billion dollars in revenue just last year. Sam suggests a lot of things, and we'll give you a few key points here. Firstly, he talks about sanctions, allow lists and blacklists. So when it comes to censoring addresses, Sam thinks that blacklists are preferable to allow lists. Sam suggests that blacklists can be created and updated in real time. So I'm not 100% sure where he's going here with this, Blake. I don't know whether you looked into it a little bit more, yeah? Yeah, I'm just assuming that, you know, a blacklist would be a wallet that's received stolen yeah. stolen crypto um, and then, you know, the exchanges, you know, obviously have an- Can cross-reference? Yeah, they have a, a anti-money laundering regime that they have mm-hmm. to follow and, you know, it's just going to make their life easier if they can identify funds that are coming in that have been used for nefarious purposes. So that's yeah. really practical. Um, and, you know, the same thing happens um, in the banking system. And I think, you know, certainly some regime around around that would be beneficial. Mm, okay. What's next? He then goes into KYC. So KYC uh, is when you hand over your identification, like your passport or your driver's license to verify your identity. Um, so the know your customer for DeFi Um, which is kind of a bit of an oxymoron or a little bit counterintuitive because Mm. the, you know, the the whole point of DeFi, the idea of DeFi is or decentralized finance is for it to be permissionless, which means that you don't need to ask anyone's permission to use these platforms. Now, of course, um, that means that all sorts of people can use it for good purposes, for bad purposes. However, um, the idea is that anybody can use it. So this is a very touchy subject because it definitely will push the you know, crypto industry in a very distinct direction. And, you know, mm. it kind of reminds me of early stages of the internet where, you know, initially everything was open source, everything was free to use. Um, there were no licensing agreements. And then, you know, companies came along and tried to privatize large sections of the internet um, for profit. And, you know, I think I'm just making an assumption here, but I assume that Sam um, is trying to, you know, make it harder for people to use DeFi. Or, and potentially mm. and potentially safer to then you know bolster his business or his businesses well, <laughs> you're right i mean obviously he's coming from an exchange a centralized exchange point of view and looking at defi again out of out of um this paper that he put forward this was the most hotly debated topic from all the points he made around defi and it is going to be very hard um you know to put any kind of you know legislation or um, regulation around this defi without it becoming more like the traditional side of things. Yeah. And, you know, the more regulation that comes in, you know, it's just going to push some of these platforms more kind of underground, you know, like, um, mm. yeah. Yeah. Look, and the final section um, in his post, Sam touched on stablecoin regulation and he makes several uh, reasonable points. For instance, he advocates that USD peg stablecoins be backed by at least one to one by the dollar while adhering to transparent reporting requirements. So, you know, Blake, this is this goes without saying. I guess that's that seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, that definitely seems reasonable. I think everyone 
that has one stablecoin wants to know that it's backed up um, unless you're you know, buying an algorithmic stablecoin. Um, but yeah, I think that's really practical and um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, look, I think Sam deserves a bit of credit for starting this conversation and putting his own thoughts out there. Uh, and he's also been pretty open to community input. And I was just reading last night that he's even revised some of his points following some community pushback. So good on him for this. And regulation is certainly coming. We all know that. Super important. Um, and everyone should have the opportunity to speak their mind and make sure that the policies that do eventually get put in place suit all the players, like we just said, not just the centralised exchanges, but also, you know, those in DeFi as well. Moving on to the next story, Trace, do you do you use Reddit? I do a little bit, not as much as you. I think you go in the weeds a bit on Reddit, but there are a couple of forums that I do follow. Um, but yeah, you're a bit more into your Reddit than me. Is that right? Yeah, I think I'm an, an addict. Are you? Um, I didn't realise you were that hard. Uh, well, let's go, in, let's, let's wanna, go into this one then. Yeah. So um, in July, we actually told you all about um, Reddit launching NFTs. So they had digital avatars that Reddit users can customise and set up as their profile pictures. And it's been successful to say the least. Reddit has become an unlikely Trojan horse for former NFT haters who are embracing digital assets just as if they were any other uh, bored ape or a crypto punk holding bro. Blake, do you want to tell us all the stats and maybe tell us, are you using one of these profile pictures? Mm, yeah, I think I am actually. Uh, I did create one. I don't remember setting up a wallet for it, but maybe that's just embedded. However, I will circle back on that and have another look. <laughs> but uh, there are 3 million wallets which have been created. I don't know how many daily users Reddit has, has but I'm going to suggest it's in the tens or hundreds of millions of people. So, um, you know, they've, they might have had a few percent of their user base um, started using these NFTs. Uh, and for reference, the top marketplace, um, OpenSea, which buys and sells NFTs, only has 2.3 million wallets. So they've really come in over the top and become um, one of the biggest NFT platforms. 52 million users. I just Googled it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So 7, 8% of their, their user base has adopted this and I assume that many mm. more will over the coming years. So there were 86,000 NFTs um, have been launched and 40,000 were bought at initial price of 10 to $100. I didn't buy mine, so maybe I don't have this. But I The rest were given out free, I think. So Okay, mm. all right. The NFTs now have a market cap of over $100 million, which is a big win for Reddit. And uh, as well as that, they're one of the top 10 collections on OpenSea. Now, Reddit's amazing. You know, they've embraced this technology. They did take their time with it. But I think as a result, um, they're going to nail implementation of different blockchain technologies. And it's amazing to see the communities and the sub-communities adopt it and embrace it. And I think, you know, these guys are really going to innovate and show, you know, other platforms how this technology can be integrated successfully. Yeah, and I think this is actually a bigger feat for more reasons than one because they've kind of done a bit of a 360 on this with their users because the users before were really kind of NFT haters and now they've kind of all flipped and they're all kind of using these these PFPs, which they're all calling collective avatars. They're not actually calling yeah. them. Yeah. So they've actually rebranded it, renamed it. Cause, and that's great because they knew their audience. They knew their audience weren't really big on NFTs. So they're collective avatars and they've all changed their tune. But it's really funny because I saw a meme, which was like a Trojan horse. And it made the point of saying that 
Reddit have done this really well because they kind of got people into NFTs. They don't even know. Like you even said, you don't even know how you did you do a wallet? Did you not? Because these people have done it without actually realizing, you know, that they've used the Polygon network. And did they get a wallet? Because there's no seed phrases involved. There's no real gas fees. So they've got this whole, they've got 3 million people using, you know, NFTs, but they, half of them don't even know they're, they're, they're using an NFT. So it's, it's kind of been, it's, it's really well done. Yeah. Now seamless and mm. the perfect, perfect execution. So congratulations on the Reddit team. Well done. Let's take a break here. And when we come back, we'll find out how much money has been made in NFT royalties since inception. Hint, it is a lot. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. You're listening to the Crypto Curious Podcast. NFT creators have earned a whopping $1.8 billion in royalties since the beginning of NFTs. In a report from Galaxy Digital, researchers also found that NFT creator royalties have doubled over the past year. So OpenSeas is one of the top overall marketplaces for trading volume. So when I say it's doubled, it's jumped from 3% cut to up to 6%. So an interesting point is what they also found from royalties among just 10% of entities have amassed more than 20% of all creators royalties. This data also suggests that the NFT economy may be a little bit more centralised than some have thought. Now, we spoke about this last week, Blake, when we mentioned Magic Eden, and they were the ones who have decided to, um, I think it was not pay out the option of all their royalties on their marketplace after they, I think they were they were losing a lot of their um, market share to rival platforms. So they they gave the option of not paying their royalties out to themselves. So what are your thoughts here on this? Because it's getting quite competitive in general. So just through these stats, Trace, is, is, are they suggesting that you know, there's more secondary market sales or that there's more creators turning on royalties? There's more creators that are that are asking a higher percentage at the beginning. So there's there's two things here. There's the percentage that goes to, um, say, Open Seas and Magic Eden. Um, and then there's you as a say, I'm going to sell my piece of art. I'm going to get a 3% cut for the life cycle. But they're saying, actually, no, I want 6% for the life cycle. Mm. So, yeah. So they're just turning it up a bit. Mm, yeah. Yep. Interesting. Mm, yeah. 
But one well, the, you know, what we'll find is, you know, it comes to an equilibrium and the market will find, you know, what's an appropriate royalty that people are happy to pay. Mm. Um, and then that'll form, I guess, I guess a, a standard, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got to admit, uh, it wasn't something that I had considered much until I went to sell a few of my larger ticket NFT items, um, not recently, maybe a few months ago. And I looked at exactly what that 5% cut was and I was like, wow, <laughs> that's actually a fair bit. You yeah, know? right. So that the commission comes out of the sale price, mm. it's not on top. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So... It is it is a bit of a whack. And then you got your, your cut that goes to OpenSea and that's so, you know, it all kind of adds up. <laughs> yeah, and then you got your network fees as well, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, interesting. Um, I think historically royalties have been, you know, praised because it's really important because it's part of the NFT ecosystem and, you know, especially with some of the smaller creators, it provides them with not just a, a steady income stream but then also um, it gives them – income moving forward. Like if someone wants to um, produce an album or do something and they're, they're little and they need the cash to move forward, you're kind of you're happy to do that and distribute some royalties. But when it's these big guys like Bored Apes or One for Women taking a clip, actually One for Women I don't, I don't mind so much because they, they put their – um, they put their royalties to some really good use to um, a lot of really good projects. But, you know, again, you've got to really know where that money's going and you have to take a good look. So I think this this debate around the NFT royalties will continue to burn for a little bit longer yet. All right. On now to our short, sharp news bites for the week. Blake, you're up first. Your turn. Yeah, so FTX um, put in a 1.4 billion USD bid to acquire Voyager, which is a crypto investment platform, uh, and it has been approved by the courts. And this means that Voyager um, users are expect to receive 72% of their funds back. But there's a twist. They have to create an FTX account to receive the compensation. And there's approximately 3.5 million creditors or, or, or users. Uh, so, you know, if we just calculate the acquisition costs there from FTX, they've Done pretty well, I think, uh, to do that. So the good news is the Voyager is going to get their the Voyager users are going to get seventy two percent of their funds back. So yeah, yeah, at least three and a half million people aren't burnt. Yeah, um, like the so. Celsius people. So good news. Yeah. Moving on, there's a new sheriff in London town, and this guy is crypto friendly. Rishi Sunak is now the Prime Minister of the UK. During his time as finance minister, he actually unveiled plans to turn the country into an international hub for crypto. So he's definitely behind it. And he actually also tasked the Royal Mint uh, with creating an NFT collection. This was last year. It hasn't come to fruition yet, but yeah, definitely very crypto friendly. Mm, yeah, m- might have something to do with his age. I think he was 42 or 44 years old. Um, so certainly in touch with uh, technological oh, innovation. Cool. Same, yeah. same age as us, Blake. Awesome. <laughs> Um, So crypto winter is hurting Google's ad empire. Google has blamed the company's slowdown in revenue growth in part on crypto companies who have reduced ad spending. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is so rich. Yeah. The company's overall ad growth for the quarter was the weakest of any period since 2013, uh, expected for one quarter at the beginning of the pandemic. 
So Google recently announced that it will accept payments in cryptocurrency for its cloud services starting in 2023, uh, which is awesome. And is this the partnership with Coinbase that's going to help process those transactions for them? Yeah. No, incredible stuff. And maybe they'll make it easier for crypto companies to advertise. The floor price for the Bored Ape Yacht Club Other Deed Metaverse NFT collection dropped by 25% last week. Yuga Labs sold land rights for its metaverse project as NFTs for around $7,000 each, excluding gas fees, which cost buyers thousands on top. This was, oh God, when did this happen? This was earlier in the year. It was a huge, big, it was a huge, big week. Everyone was so excited. It was all happening, grabbed the land and the gas fees were enormous. Um, And, you know, they stayed pretty high for a long time and now they're worth roughly you know, one and a half thousand. So we're not exactly sure why this happened uh, last week. I've been keeping up with it in the last 24 hours and it's still not sure why it's had that big dump. But yeah, so if you're keeping an eye on that, other deed land, pretty cheap right now. Uh, So the trading app Robinhood has added cryptocurrency Aave. Uh, We spoke to the CEO of Aave here on the podcast, Stanny, earlier on, um, and they also added Tezos to its platform. Now, Robinhood offers 19 crypto tokens for trading in its app, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, and Polkadot. But, you know, is this options tradings on Aave or is it um, spot buying and selling, Tracy? I believe it's spot. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Mm, It's good for Aave and Tezos. Well done. Moving on, Disney launches a Web3 experience to celebrate 100 years of Disney music. The experience was launched this week to give Disney fans access to a virtual storefront with individual displays that highlights various soundtracks from the Disney movies and shows like Encanto, Tomorrowland, Star Wars, Lion King, all those fan favourites. So you can click through to the site and learn about specific titles, listen to the musics and um, CDs and I'm sure you, there's an online cart so obviously you can buy lots of different bits and pieces. So there you go, Disney and a Web3 experience coming at you. So, yeah, Filecoin has created a platform for people to store their carbon credits on, Um, obviously storing carbon credits and being able to verify where they come from and when they were minted and all these sorts of things is really important. Uh, Filecoin believes that this is a a growing market and has built a product for it. So really interesting to see if there's actually any uptake of this. And I don't know anyone that's actually using Filecoin, to be honest, or or their, their product. I know people that are using IPFS, the interplanetary file system, which is the protocol that it's built upon. But Trace, have you actually heard of anybody using Filecoin for decentralized storage? No, I haven't, but I do know a lot of people talking about it. I do know someone else using, I think it's Sia, um, the other, the competitor to this one. But mm. I know that, you know, both of them are going really hard at the moment with um, their their, their growth and their and their marketing in, in the, the marketplace. So yeah. this is an interesting development from them. So I might even do a little bit more reading and look into it a little bit further. Mm, yeah, definitely. And maybe we can try and use, use uh, Filecoin and see if it works. Yeah, interesting. Let's do that. On that, I think uh, that's it for all the short, sharp bits this week and we'll leave it there. But keep your questions coming via the email, which is podcast at getbamboo.io. Check us out on all of our social media spots and don't forget to rate and review us in the podcast app that you're listening to right now. But that's it again. Uh, Please join us next week. Bye for now. Bye. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. 
All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.